Bibles to Second uh, Timothy, chapter one. Second Timothy, chapter one. We'll get started there. In Second Timothy, chapter one and verse seven. It says, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So, you know, there's some revelation here about what God has given us and what he hasn't given us. And what a lot of times people base what God has given us and what God hasn't given us, they base on what they hear, what they hear from a pastor what is being preached or not preached in our, in our churches today. And that's why we see the condition of a lot of the churches today and a lot of the Christians, believers, is because of what's being taught or not taught in our in services. All right? I'm going to talk to you today about the importance of a pastor in your life, having a pastor in your life. It's very important. Because it says, you know, here, here I'm teaching you, the word says God has not given us a spirit fear. All right, so you have fear, but when we talk about fear, you know, you, you know that's kind of a, a, a broad spectrum, really, when you think about it. In a lot of people's lives, it's kind of narrow. They, they limit fear to something that happens when they're scared to death, you know, or they're, they're real nervous. All right, but see, it's wider than that, because fear starts in other places. All right, it, you know, worry starts not just when you're you're literally wringing your hands, but if you're you know if you're thinking about something a lot, well, really, you know, that's you're getting in an area of worry, you're getting in an area of fear, and you see, after you have to recognize it, God didn't give you that. All right, He didn't give you a spirit of fear, and a spirit of fear is one that always has a tendency to go into those areas of worry, doubt, complaining. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people don't realize, but anger is a lot of times mostly associated with fear. Now, I'm sure there is a righteous anger, a righteous anger. Jesus, you know, we see in Jesus with that when he overturned the tables in the, in the, in the temple of God, all right, because they were making it into a den of thieves, and it was supposed to be a house of prayer, but they were, they were gambling and things like that. Uh, so, you know, he went in and, and turned the tables over in that situation. You know, that's a, a righteous anger. But other types of anger, a lot of times it's just, it, it's fear-based because it's, it, it, it's uh, expressed because someone has lost control of a situation and they don't know how to get it back, so they get angry. All right? Well, well those, see, those are things that you need to, to learn to recognize. But let's go on here. It also says here, but he gave us power, and what, what does that word power mean? That word power means he's given you authority. He's given you authority over every situation in your life, and it's, it's up to you how you're going to handle that authority that God's given you and place it over control of everything that's trying to affect you in your life. Or, or anything, I could, I could say it this way, anything that's trying to hinder you, all right? You've been given authority over that, all right? But it also says, and he's given us the spirit of love. 
Well, love is important because love, you know, now abides faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is what? Faith? Hope? No. It's love. All right, because the love, the, the love walk, all right, holds everything else, is really the grease that holds everything and causes everything else in your life to operate smoothly. Without it, you're going you're gonna to be making a lot of noise. You're going to have a lot of issues. But it also says, and, and out of it, he's given us a sound mind. Okay? God's given us a sound mind. Well, what, what is a sound mind? A sound mind is, is at peace. It it's really speaks of a mind that has been renewed to the word of God. All right? You know, a lot of, when you, when you read Paul's letters to the church, and a lot of times he was writing them from a place um, of uh, imprisonment. And he wasn't experiencing the, great, the, 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 the best of conditions as he's writing these letters. But he was experiencing you know, a lot of adverse situations, but he was still able to, to confidence about what he was saying. Why? Because he had a sound mind. And what was the sound mind? Well, in Romans 12, uh, 1, it says not, not to be conformed to the world's way of thinking, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. All right, so your ability to renew your mind has to do with the sound mind that God's given you. If you don't have your mind renewed to the word of God, all right, you're not going to have a sound mind. You're going to have one that worries. One that's always, it's always think, it's always going. You know, I, over the years I've heard, I've heard people talk about, well, they have, they have trouble sleeping. You know, in some of the conversations I've had people say, well, my mind just always seems to be going. It always seems to be going. It's thinking on things. Well, you know, and, and most of those things, that you, when you talk to them, they're worried about situations. They're thinking about this, how they're going to handle situations. See, it's fear-based. It's not a renewed mind. But it's a worldly mind. Their mind, they've been conformed to the world's way of thinking, not transformed. All right? But God's given you a sound mind, and that means, that really speaks of a mind that has been renewed. Let's go to uh, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. And I'm going to read to you from the Amplified. In Philippians 4, 11, Paul says this. He says, Not that I am implying that I was in any personal want, for I have learned how to be content, satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I am in. I'm in. Well, what's Paul, what's Paul talking about? That he's learned to be content. All right, disquieted or disturbed. How was he able to do that? Because Paul was talking about his mind. His mind had been renewed to the Word of God, so he wasn't. What was on the foremost of his mind was not the situation necessarily that he was in. Because what he knew that God had given him power, right? He didn't give him fear. He knew, he had his mind renewed to the point 
that he knew he had authority over every situation. So what? What did what did that what did he acquire through that? Paul acquired a a stillness, a contentness that what other situations may be raging around him, who who's in control of the situation? The things around you or you? Paul had a revelation that he was in control. He had authority over every situation that he was in. So he learned how to be content in every situation. Why? His mind was renewed to the Word of God. So that, every, like I said, every situation that came upon him or tried to hinder him, he wasn't, he wasn't looking and thinking, about, well, how am I, I going to handle this situation? He already knew the answer. He already knew he had authority. Because God, God gave him that. All right? And, and the people that he, that he had to deal with that were, that were trying to um, anger him and, and get under his skin, so to speak, he's doing what? He's going to walk in the love of God with him. Right? Because God gave him, gave him power. All right? Gave him, gave him that, you know, authority of love and then a sound mind. Sound mind is a renewed mind. So he had his mind renewed to the point that whatever situation he was in, it didn't bother him at all. Um, go to Romans chapter 12. Let's look at that one. Romans chapter 12. And we'll see some things here. Paul says this in verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren. And again, I'm reading from the Amplified. And he says, and I beg of you, in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational intelligence, intelligent service and spiritual worship. I like what he, what he says here in the Amplified. It's, it's a form of your spiritual worship by you presenting yourself, everything that you have, your faculties, everything. Just imagine how your life or how people's lives or how the church's life would be different if today we had churches filled with people that had presented their bodies as a living sacrifice. I'm not saying there's not people out there that have, haven't, um, or have, uh, there are, there's not anybody out there that, ha that ha hasn't, because there are. But imagine what the ch how the, the face of the church would be changed if we had people that, in church that were taught to make their bodies a living sacrifice, which was a form of their worship. So, you know, how, you know that takes on an endless an endless viewpoint of things, how you would look at things. You know, he's trying to get under your skin. You're not looking at how am I going to get back at them? Why? Because that's what the world does. All right. We're not, we're not being conformed to the world's way. We're being transformed. We're going to walk. We're going to, we're going to look to the Father on how do I communicate, Father, to them what you want to see happen here.
because I'm not going to use anger. All right? I'm going to walk in love with them. But I also, at the same time, Father, I understand that you gave me authority over the situation. So even though the situation that is at hand is trying to scream at me and tell me that I'm in lots and lots and lots and lots of trouble, what? I have authority over it. My, my attitude is content. Like Paul said, I've learned to be content. He, he, you know, he, he, he said, past tense, he had learned to be content. He didn't say, I'm still learning. See, sometimes as Christians, we, we use that as an excuse. Well, you know, uh, I'm a Christian, and I'm still learning. Well, okay, we all are learning, but don't use that as a crutch not to do what you should be doing. What, what you know to do, do it. All right? Yes, granted, there's things that we don't know to do, and we can't do it because we don't know, how, we don't know to do them. But the things you know to do, you can do those. And so what happens is you start to understand, okay, how the things that I can do, if I do them, how it brings a change not only in my life, but in other people's lives around me. Right? Because how you walk with the Lord, all right, affects other people around you, whether you do it or not. I was talking to my wife this morning. She got me for my birthday Rick Renner's book, A Christmas Story, which I, I highly recommend. He just came out with it here about two months ago. And, uh, you know, if you're thinking about it uh, in the terms of just the Christmas story, um, you would be wrong, because <laughs> it's much more than that. One of the things that he was talking about in this book, <clears throat> he was talking about how God, all throughout history, calls families into the ministry. All right, there was Abraham and his, you know, his family and, and Lot and, and, and all that, that they were called in. James and Jude who wrote books in the New Testament. Okay, um, and there was many other, many other examples of families that were involved in, in the ministry. Some good, some not so good. You know, we talked about one of them here, was it last week? Eli and his sons. All right, that wasn't a real good situation. But the thing was, is they had a call on their life. The sons had a call on their life. But anyway, the whole point I was, I was trying to make was, was that how God calls families in to the ministry, and not just the pulpit-type ministry, but the ministry as in doing what? Winning others for, you know, uh, into the kingdom. And how does he do that? He does it one person at a time. Because he'll go into a family, get one family member saved. And then what happens is that family member, because of their salvation and their having their minds renewed, all right, starts to have an effect on people around them. And who, who first? The family. Because the family should know, should know that if one thing you're not like everybody else anymore. You're not like what you used to be. And hopefully they see you as being, you know, what the world would call a holy roller. Um, you know, but you're on fire for God. You have a hunger for God. 
And so at some time and point in time down the road, they're, they're going to get they're going to hear the gospel in a way that they've never heard it before, and the power of God's words is going to touch their heart, and they're going to come into the kingdom. All right? Now, we all don't know what time, when, when that is. Sometimes, sometimes it happens fairly quickly, but sometimes it's years in the making. But that's not our part. That's the Spirit of God's part is, is he's working on people, and it's up to them because God's not going to force them to get saved. So sometimes we see, you see things happen where people in, you know, uh, had grandparents that were, that were on fire for the Lord and nobody else in the family was. But the, 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 either the children or the grandchildren remember grandfather and grandmother having a heart, a hunger for God, and after they're gone and, they, and all they have is the memories, what memories do they have? How grandfather, grandmother always talked about the Lord, right? So what is that? That's a seed. That's a seed. And we know that the word of God says about the seed, it's an incorruptible seed, right? So when you're planting seeds in your family and you are having an effect on your family, I don't care whether you see it now or not, you are having an effect on your family because by the power of God that he put in you, because he did not give you a spirit of fear, he gave you power, love, and a sound mind. And guess what, what's happening? That is contagious. It's highly contagious. You know, we want to talk about contagious things in the world today, and we'll always want to look at the negative things. Well, that's a spirit of fear. But you ever think about the, the, the word of God being highly contagious? It is. Because the word of God, when it's taught to you correctly, see, that's why I was, I was talking about the importance of a pastor, of a, of a shepherd that teaches you the word, because a lot of people, they never hear these things. They just go to church, they sing a few songs, they hear somebody stand up and tell maybe a story, maybe they use a, a, a Bible verse or something, but that's all they, that's all they get out of it, is just a, a, just a Bible verse, and, and, but they don't get, they're not taught anything. So what, what happens is the, the power of the word of God that's an, that's an indestructible seed, you are planting and you are sowing it in, in family members and people that you love, it's going into them and it's having an effect on them. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Let's look at another one. Let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Let's look there. Hallelujah. Because a lot of times what will happen is people's viewpoint of God, they learn about it from other people, other family members. So if you're on fire for God, people that, that know you are going to learn about the Lord through your actions, through what you do, what you say. I remember years ago, um, I heard uh, Keith Moore was telling this story. Uh, and Brother Moore was working in, in Brother Hagin's ministry in, in healing school. And they would have healing school. And people would come around to, be, to the healing school and be prayed. And one, I, I don't know if it was a Friday, uh, I, 
Friday afternoon service or something. But there was two ladies at the, at the end of the service. It was a Friday morning because they had Friday morning and a Friday night. And uh, these, there was these two ladies at the end of the, the service. Um, uh, do, do you think you could have uh, Brother Hagen pray for my sister? And he said, well, why, why does your sister need prayer? Well, she's got cancer, and the doctors have only given her like 6 to 12 months to live. <clears throat> and he said, well, he said, I, I, I won't be able to have him pray now because he's already left, but if you'll come back tonight at 6 o'clock, and uh, he'll, 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 he'll minister to people, and that's usually when he, I'll let him know that you're here, and he can pray for you. And uh, both these ladies looked at Brother, Brother Moore and said, well, we're not going to be back here tonight. He said, well, what do you mean? You, you said you were in town for the whole day. Said, well, yeah, well, we're, we're going shopping. We're going shopping. And so they left. Here the sister was dying, 6 to 12 months to live. But they had so little respect for the things of God, they just thought they could just drive through and have somebody lay hands on them. And, uh, you know, they'd get a miracle. And there's times things like that do happen, but you know what? If you get your miracle, you're going to have to know how to hold on to the thing. Because the devil's going to come and try to take it back from you. <coughs> That's how he operates. Satan is going to come back, and if you, don't, if you don't have any teaching in you to the point to where you can make a stand, all right? And you know, I've said this before over years, but where you go to church is important. It, 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 it literally is a matter of life and death because there are people that, that have left this planet that were Christians, but they didn't know the will of God concerning healing, and their bodies got weaker and weaker and weaker to the point they just, they just up and left. They up and left uh, uh, the planet. And that's not God's will. You go to Matthew chapter 9. Let's look here at verse uh, 35. It says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the good news, the gospel of the kingdom, and curing all kinds of diseases, and every weakness and infirmity. Now we see right here, where did Jesus go to heal, to, to, to heal people? He went into the churches. He was going into the churches and ministering the good news to people in the churches, and they were getting healed. And it says in verse 36, when he saw the throngs, he was moved with pity and sympathy, now the King James says compassion for them, because they were bewildered, they were harassed, they were distressed, they were dejected, and they were helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. All right, imagine that, that these people were, it says they were bewildered. When you think about that word bewildered, it means turn. They didn't, know, they didn't have an answer for what was going on in their lives. They were basically lost 
and, and daily businesses. And things were not getting better for them. Up until that time, they were getting worse. All right? But it says he had compassion, he had pity upon them uh, because they were harassed and they were distressed and they were dejected and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. So, here's Jesus that he saw the people that they didn't have true shepherds. But where was he teaching at? In churches, in synagogues. So what was being taught in that church? Obviously, deliverance and healing wasn't being taught to the people, right? <coughs> because they were bewildered, they were harassed at what was, at what was, at what was affecting them. All these things were happening to these people because what? They didn't have a sound mind. Their minds had not been renewed to the Word of God. Why? Because this is still Old Testament in, in, in Matthew here. Right? It wasn't until Jesus went to the cross and died on the cross. And, you know, in the King James, I like it, what it says. It says, he said it was finished. Right? He said it was finished. But in the... In the in the um, in the the Hebrew translation of it is that word telesterai means in in the Greek it, what it means is uh, paid in full. So literally, what would happen is when somebody would come. Um, to pay their, their debt, whoever it was, the overseer of the city or overseer of those debts, you would, you would pay your debt and they would take a stamp out and they would stamp that paper and it would, it would say, paid in full or telesterity. So when Jesus was on the cross and he said, he said, everything has been paid in full. Everything. Everything has been paid in full. All right, not just your sins, but your, your lack, all right, your, your, your sickness, all sickness has been paid for, it's paid in full. Worry has been paid by him. You, you, you cast your care upon him because why? because he cares for you, and that's already been paid for. You now have, and, you know, and now we have a revelation, we have authority, because God didn't fear to fear, but power of authority. Right? Remember the Roman centurion that has a, that has a soldier back at, back at his place that's dying. And the Roman centurion says, uh, tells Jesus, and Jesus says, I will come and, and pray for him. He said, no, 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 I'm a man under authority. I tell people to go, they go. I tell people to come, they come. You just speak the word, right? You just speak the word, and my servant will be healed. Because I, I understand authority. See, how, how, that, that's a problem with a lot of the church today. They don't understand authority. 
I'm not, I'm not mad at people. I'm, I'm mad at the devil because he's confused a lot of Christians when, when, we, when we start talking about the power of your words. They, they, they don't seem to grasp a handle on the, the authority that they have in that situation or any situation. And Jesus' response to this Roman centurion, he said, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel than this man here, and he doesn't even have a covenant with me. He wasn't even a covenant partner. But he said, you just speak the word. How much more you and I as covenant partners understand the word of God that the debt has been paid in full? You know, Jesus said he, looked upon, he, had, he had compassion upon them because they were as sheep without a shepherd. Then when you come back here into Ephesians, Ephesians 4, and it, said, it says in Ephesians 4, verse 11, that, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, not all, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. In verse 12 here it says, for the perfecting or maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. That's why, that's why he gave us these gifts, all right, was to build up the church, to build up the, the, the ministry. So the, the importance of a pastor, a shepherd, is a shepherd does what? He feeds the sheep. He watches after the sheep. All right? One of the things that shepherds uh, would do with sheep is because sheep would have a lot of issues with, uh, in that part of the country, in the, especially in the warm months, with flies. These flies would bother and get in their eyes and, 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 and would bother with the sheep. Uh, the shepherd, I should say, would come out to the sheep, and he, he had this oil that he would pour on their foreheads. And he would work that oil into their foreheads and their heads, and the, the flies would stay away because they didn't like the oil. It, it, it kept the flies away. All right? What, what, what did the psalmist say? He anointed my head with oil. He anointed me with oil. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Right? So he's, talk, he's talking about, the, again, the importance of a shepherd. All right? Let, let's go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 here. I, I'm not going to go very, too much longer here, but uh, just a few things I want to point out. Paul said this in Romans 1. Verse 11, he says, For I am yearning to see you, that I may impart and share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen and establish with you and establish you. See, there, there, there's a there's a 
there's something that happens when the when the shepherd, when the pastor sees people face to face. Um, he sees things in him. He sees see things that's that's missing. I'm thinking of a, 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 a I think it was a, I don't know if it was John G. Lake or somebody. Anyway, back in that that time, that they were they were a missionary over in Africa, <clears throat> and uh, uh, they had they had come come down with a sickness. It wasn't John G. Lake, but I think John G. Lake may have been the one that they called. And they had written him a letter and said they were coming back to America, the States, and would he be able to pick them up uh, at the harbor? And, um, of course, through the correspondence, he said he would be there. So when this man got back and he, he, he had been diagnosed with an, uh, an illness that, that could kill him, and he had not told his pastor that, other than he had to come back to the States because... Um, he had to come home to the States at once. So the pastor met him there, and as he was getting off the ship, and he was walking down the plank to come, and, and, and the, the pastor walked up to him and greeted him and said, what's wrong with you? See, his letters had to indicate anything was wrong with him. And he told him, he, he, said, he said, I could see that there was something wrong with you. Well, he ministered to him, and uh, he received healing. So, see, when Paul's talking here in Romans chapter 1, verse 11, he says, For I'm yearning to see you that I may impart and share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen and establish you. All right? It's important because there's things that a, a shepherd can do to strengthen people and establish them, what? In the faith, so that they're grounded. And they're, they're rooted into, in, 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 the, in the faith of God. You know, I, I seem to have kind of over the years run into a lot of people that seem to have, they have knowledge of the things of God. They know what the Bible says, but they don't have any roots anywhere. They just kind of, they're, they're, you know, they're in one place one moment, then, you know, a year or a year, two years, they're, they're somewhere. They're never ever established and put down roots, and their life's a mess, and they kind of wonder why, well, Lord, what's missing in my... The, the problem is, you, you've never planted yourself and established a root system to where you can start feeding on that. Um, I'm reminded of another story by Brother Hagen that uh, when they started Rama back years ago, it, it started out, they were just, they were doing intercessory prayer um, and uh, they, they, they were teaching the Word of God. They started, they started to see a need to counsel people, and so they started counseling people. And one day, Brother Hagin was walking through the building that they were in at the, the time, and uh, the Lord spoke to Brother Hagin and said, why are, you, why are you counseling people? He said, well, Lord, be, because... Uh, they have a need in their life. They, they have some, uh, some problems in their life and they need counsel. He said, <clears throat> he said, well, the Lord said, well, don't they have a, 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 a pastor? And he said, no, many of these don't. He said, well, that's the problem. He said, besides, I never told you to counsel people. I told you to pray. 
and to teach him my word. And Brother Hagin stopped the counseling immediately. So he realized the problem what most people were having that he was dealing with, <clears throat> they needed a shepherd in their lives. They didn't have a shepherd. They had all these other things, but they didn't have a shepherd in their lives. So they keep having problems over and over again. And see, that's what Paul was talking about here. But I like this next verse, what he says here in verse 12. He says, that is, that we may be mutually strengthened and encouraged and comforted by each other's faith, both yours and mine. <clears throat> you know, God doesn't mind us having friends, but the most important friends that you should have in your life should be church people. That should be the most important friends. Why? Because you, you encourage one another. You don't get encouragement from the world. You don't get encouragement from people that aren't really walking with God, even though they say, well, I'm a Christian, I go to church, but they're not really hungry for the thing. You don't get encouraged by that, right? I mean, you might like them. They're, not, they're nice. And, and, and God's not saying we shouldn't have friends. But see, the most important friends you have should be church people and ones that are on fire for the Lord and hunger for the things of God. But I like what, you know, again, what Paul said, he said that we may be mutually strengthened. <clears throat> that we may be mutually strengthened, encouraged, and comforted by each other's faith. Glory to God. The importance of a shepherd. You know, see, and a true shepherd is going to do what? He's going to encourage people. He's going to teach them the word. <coughs> he's going to, he's going to uh, uh, counsel them with the things of God, right? All right? You know, a true shepherd's going to, when he goes to counsel you, he's going to, he or she is going to counsel you from the Word of God, not from their own just personal beliefs. Because, you know, really, I don't want to, I don't want to know someone's personal beliefs. I want to know what they know about the Word of God, what it says. Because that's what I'm going to hang my hat on. That's what I'm going to put my faith and trust in, what the Word of God says about a situation not necessarily what somebody else says, even though they may have some understanding and revelation. You know, it's like when they diagnosed me with cancer. I didn't get, you know, <clears throat> I listened to what the doctor said, but see, I wasn't hanging my, my faith on what they said that cancer was going to do in my body. I couldn't. Because it wasn't good. But yet, we still see people, that's what they put their faith and trust in, is what the doctor says, and they go along with it. Hold it, you have not been given a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. You've got to use your authority over that situation and say, no, it'll be as I say, because Jesus said, you'll have what you say. You'll have what you say about a situation. The enemy's trying to affect you and get you to thinking that, no, it's not going to be that way. But God gave you love, power, and a sound mind. And a sound mind is renewed, is a mind that is renewed. It's that simple. So if you're having an, you know, an issue in an area, check your renewing of your mind. Are you really, truly renewing your mind to the Word of God, <clears throat> or are you just letting what you, you used to know, all right, try to lead you, which you can't live off of yesterday's faith or last week's. 
you, faith is new every day. So every day, you have to, you have to put gas in your, your faith tank. You've got to put faith in your faith tank, and you do that by having your mind renewed to the Word of God. Amen? Did you get something today? Let's, I know today is kind of a short service, but you know that's just what the, the Lord had for us. Let's all stand up. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll release the people online. We call you blessed and ahead, not the tail, above, not beneath. You're looking for a church home. We're here at 1120 South 8th Street in Boonville, Indiana on 1030 on Sunday mornings. We'd love to have you. Amen. Amen. Sister Don, I'm going to pray for you. <clears throat> I'm going to take authority over this.